understanding and unpacking my sacral center was like the biggest aha moment I had. The career that I was in prior to, you know, building my, my blog and, and taking on clients um, was draining me physically. Um, not just because it was 80 or 90 hours a week that I was giving to work, but just the fact that it had no longer given me joy to do. I used to love teaching. I used to even love the product that I was selling. And after a while, I kind of, it just the joy that used to be there wasn't there anymore. And I started having a lot of health problems. I started having adrenal fatigue, really big issues with sleeping, a lot of weight gain, just my skin was a mess. And it was just like my body was basically trying to tell me with like every fiber of its being, stop, like this isn't healthy, this doesn't feel good, stop doing it. And so every day toward the end, I felt like every time my alarm went off, I wanted to cry. And it was just like my body kind of contracting even in the fetal position, being like, don't get out of bed, don't go and do it. And even decisions I was trying to make were just nothing was in the flow. I just felt like I was constantly running into these obstacles. And it got to the point where it was almost like the universe had to speak that loudly for me to say, okay, so everything needs to stop. And I need to hit the pause button for a while and figure out exactly what is going to feel like I'm in my alignment. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. My next guest is an expert in a profiling system I've been exploring for most of 2019. It's called human design. You may have heard me refer to it in other episodes, particularly the life strategy of wait to respond. Put simply, human design is the intersection of science and spirituality. It gives us the language to describe the signals our body and our intuition has been telling us all along, before all the programming and all the social conditioning. I've also seen it described as a user manual for life, both a mechanical science and a practical tool that shows us how we're constituted and therefore how to make healthy decisions and live as the unique beings we are. I'm thrilled to have Jacqueline Michelle of Interior Creature on the podcast to explain it to us. I'll admit that at times, I found navigating human design completely overwhelming. But when I do get really deep in it, it brings a level of scene I've never experienced before. Okay, strap in. Here's Jacqueline and I for Offline. She pulled my chart before our call and uses it to answer some of my questions. P.S. If you're interested in getting your own design decoded, Jacqueline is kindly offering offline listeners 5% off her services. Visit interiorcreature.com, click the services and offerings tab, and then use the code OFFLINE, all caps, at checkout. I would love to start by getting to know you a little bit better. I wondered what your background was and how you came into um, finding human design and then I guess becoming what is essentially a self-taught expert in the practice or the tool. Yeah, I um, so my background's kind of interesting, I guess, for being working in this space. Um, I was an elementary school teacher. I went to school for theater and art history and uh didn't see a career path in that. So I ended up doing Teach for America here in the States and taught elementary school in the South Bronx and 
ended up kind of working in education in some capacity for about, gosh, almost like 14 years, I guess. I was teaching teachers. I was training teachers. And I ended up in this corporate sphere where I was doing sales and I was traveling six days a week. And my schedule was insane. It was like 80, 90 hour weeks. I was constantly traveling. And it got to the point where I kind of forgot who I was outside of my job because I had started in this space of like loving art and loving that creative side of myself. And I, I had taken this pivot and kind of lost all of those, those parts of me that I, I used to feel very connected to. And so I knew I wasn't happy in my job and I was actually in a Facebook group um, for some wellness podcast, unfortunately not yours, but a, a different <laughs> wellness podcast. And um, we were having a, somebody was having a conversation about very much the same thing. Like they felt like they had lost connection to who they really were, what their sense of self was, their sense of purpose. And among the suggestions that the women were chiming in with, someone said, I had my human design chart read. It changed my life. It was like looking in a mirror. It woke me back up. And I was like, what is this human design? I need to figure out what this is. And I've always been interested in astrology and tarot and, and things like that. So I I basically ordered every book I could get my hands on about it because I, I go hard when I dive into something. Yes. And yeah, and just the more I unpacked my chart and, and started digging into it, the more I really, it so deeply resonated. And it was almost like waking up those little parts of myself that I, through giving myself so completely to my work, had almost forgotten. Like they become so small and so erased. Oh, yeah. I know that feeling so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've yeah. spent the last, look, I mean, my journey to knowing self has is a forever journey, but certainly yes. in the last 18 months, wow. Have I had some mm -hmm. realizations and done some exploring? And I will say, like all modern spiritual discoveries, for me, it happened on the internet. And I, I, I think I saw it in a thread somewhere as well. And I, mm -hmm. and I wonder if that's a bit of a trend for people that you do readings for. But I have to admit, um, you know, I was very intrigued, and and of course, like you, I had to go and explore extensively for a little while in the beginning it felt a bit hocus pocus. I was like, oh, this is weird. Is mm -hmm. this some sort of cult or pyramid scheme? Or do you hear that a lot? Oh, a hundred percent. And I had those same feelings too. I mean, you pull up your body graph and it's this bizarre picture with shapes that are colored in <laughs> and shapes that aren't and lines and, and just the way, I mean, the system is even messaged as if this guy who was this white Canadian dude named Robert Allen Krakauer receives this what message from the heavens and all of a sudden he's raw uru who and yeah and then you've got this just even the way they message it and talk about it they use this language that's so like lofty and elevated and disconnected from the way that we talk that yeah and initially when I started watching videos of his like I kind of got turned off but the more I was unpacking and the more it was resonating so yeah I definitely a lot of my clients, a lot of the people I work with have that, that two kind of, they're holding two things in their hands at once. This, I feel like it's telling me who I am, but this is so weird. And it's so, it yes. feels kind of culty and almost, you know, they're approaching it with like a healthy sense of skepticism, which I, I try to bring to it as well. Like I want to kind of ground it back in reality and, and make it an experiment. Yeah. And I will say I discovered it, I think in around December or January of this year. So it's been a little over six months, seven months. And I knew I wanted to have a human design expert on the podcast, but I also knew I had to do my due diligence and do my research because now it's like this responsibility of introducing people to a modality or a practice or a tool that feels like a heavy weight for me. So I was like, I don't want to go and do that and then all of a sudden discover that it's this, <laughs> you know, some sort of yes. cult, cult I'm introducing. 100%. People. No, but we, um, yeah. so both of us, we've qualified it, we've legitimized it. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's sort of start to um, gently unpack human design. It is extremely complex when you mm -hmm. first look at it, but then it starts to make a lot of sense as you dive in. Um, you've actually said that human design often gives us the language to describe the signals our body and intuition is giving us. Mm -hmm. And I really loved that description because I think for me, it kind of demystified it a bit. Um, I've also seen it referred to as a mechanical science. Um, so what does it mean? Yeah. What is it? And, and, <laughs> and where is it drawn from? 
Oh, goodness. So human design, the way I always explain it to people is imagine um, the chakra system, Kabbalah's tree of life, Western astrology and the Chinese I Ching all came together. They had some chemistry. They turned the lights down, maybe opened a bottle of wine, you know, turn on some music, <laughs> got freaky, made a baby four ways. And this is what kind of resulted. What? So I love that. it. It, def- it like pulls from a bunch of different modalities and there is this a- aspect of quantum physics to it as well, which I feel like you don't need to really get into to let the system kind of benefit uh, you. But yeah, it, it's supposed to be basically an energetic mapping of the way your body best uses energy, like the best way to make decisions, the best way to work in a way that's going to fuel you as opposed to drain you um, and lessons you're here to learn. Um, things that basically, it's almost as if like it kind of, takes the idea of reincarnation and makes it very intentional. Um, I always think back to the book, Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Brian Weiss, where he talks about that like space between lives where we're doing the life review and we're, you know, thinking about, you know, what, what are the things my soul needs to do and grow during this next lifetime? It's almost like this is that map. This is that, that blueprint or that contract of here's the lessons I need to learn, the gifts I've been given the way I'm meant to walk through the world that's the most authentic so that I can kind of get to this next step or this next level in my own development. I think that's why it resonated with me so much because I think if you have a foundational belief that we are all souls and spirits and we come down to these Mm -hmm. bodies, what human design gave me was actually – validation in that thinking. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in some conversations and people are like, oh yeah, right. We're all a soul, are we? It's like, oh, okay. Um, but this is just another through way for me to be able to, um, I guess, get some validation. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about anything spiritual or spirituality is mm-hmm. if, if it helps us explore self and get to know ourselves better, then it's never a bad thing. I wonder if you could um, give us a very brief rundown of how it was conceived. So you gave us a little bit just before, but give us the story so we can all get comfortable with where it came from. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is also where we get uncomfortable with where it came from. (laughs) So um, there was this guy um, named Robert Allen Krakauer. He was Canadian. Um, He worked in newspaper advertising and he kind of like so many of us, hit a point in his life where he felt like something was missing. So the way the story goes is he left his job, left his family and wife, children, and went on this like search of himself across the world. He spent some time in Osho's ashram in India before they moved it to Oregon and became a whole oh, that thing, thing where that, yeah, the wild, wild country documentary touches yeah. on that. Um, yeah. So he was there. He also ended up in Ibiza in Spain. And the story goes that one night he was walking along the beach and he, sees the little cabin where he's staying and it's completely illuminated in light. And he is like, wait, there's no electricity. Why are the lights on? And he goes in and this like light and this voice basically download the system to him over eight days. He theoretically channels it. I've also heard from people who've met him that he did quite a bit of mind expanding drugs, um, like a lot of ketamine, a lot of, you know, things. So who knows if that's an actual thing that happened to him, if that's something that's, it's just a nice story to kind of, explain, you know, I think all of us have experienced things where we've had sudden knowings or sudden just like ideas that seem to come out of nowhere. Um, Whether it's an allegory or an actual thing that happened, he basically is the person that saw the connection or the connective tissue between these four seemingly disparate systems. And what resulted was basically something that, yeah, just articulates and explains who we are as humans and individuals really beautifully. So love that. It's out there. Take it or leave it. It's, Take it or leave it. <laughs> it's, it's out there, but you know, I'm all about expanding and expansion. And I feel like that's, if nothing else, it's a great story. And again, what I'll go back to is like having been through and in the system myself for a little while now, I guess, you know, I don't know if seven months is a long time or not, probably not. Um, it's legit for me, you know, um, I I experience a level of scene that I have never experienced before. So it's kind of like when I had my natal chart read through astrology, that's that kind of beautiful top level. And then this for me is like the deep, deep, dark parts of all of me. It's, um, and the beautiful joyous parts as well. Um, so we use our natal data to pull our human design chart. And you can do that on a platform called My Body Graph. 
Yep. Am I right in it's thinking af- there's other places you can do it also? Yeah, there's the Jovian Archive has a site. There's um, if you just Google human design, like a bunch of different platforms will come up. Most of them are free to kind of get your initial um, just at least a picture of what your chart looks like. Yeah, but there's a lot of different places and they should give you the same information regardless. Yes. They're pulling from the same. Yeah. Yes. So that information, it's dense, it's intense, and it's a little bit overwhelming. So I'm hoping we can break some of it down today. I don't think we could really cover everything in one conversation, but my hope is that um, offline listeners get around this and explore this, and then maybe we can have you back on and we can go a little bit um, deeper. Absolutely. Um, So we're given, when we pull our chart, we're given a type a strategy, Mm -hmm. and an authority. I thought we could start there with those three kind of more core or overarching categories. Can you talk to us about these three things and what they mean? Absolutely. So the types are basically the way that our body uses creative or kind of work energy. And so there's four different types. Um, There are manifestors. And manifestors, I always use construction, like a construction site as kind of my analogy for this. The manifester in human design is the person who they have the idea, like, I want to build a luxury high-rise apartment building. And they have this great idea and they get so lit up by it, they push forward. They're not really thinking about consequences or um, what anybody else thinks is just their passion, their desire. And so the generators and manifesting generators were, um, were definitely like sister types. They are we're the ones who, and I know you're a generator as well as I am. Um, we're the ones who basically get really excited by what the manifestor is doing. And we try to kind of pick a project within that bigger, like building of the luxury apartment building that would light us up. So I might be like, I really want to design the kitchen. And you might be like, well, I want to pour the cement and like, or whatever it is, like that's going to give us that joy to do. That's where we tend to like put our energy. The projectors, which is the third type, they're kind of like the foreman on the site who's helping to make sure we're all doing the job that actually is to the best of our ability, going to light us up the most, is going to give us the most joy. So the projector might see me designing, say, the kitchen and say, you know what, the bathrooms you did on the last project were amazing. And I saw how much joy that I gave you that instead. So they're kind of helping us really figure out how we can maximize our effectiveness, maximize our joy. And then the reflectors, which is the fourth type, they're like HR. If HR worked on behalf of the people in the company and not the company itself. So they're going around the job site thinking like, okay, I'm feeling irritable and cranky and a little hangry. Um, we all need to take a break. Like if I'm feeling that, everyone else is feeling that because they're reflecting back kind of, you know, how everyone's feeling. So manifestors are the idea people. Generators and manifesting generators, we're like the creative muscle or like the workforce energy. Projectors are the guides and reflectors are, yeah, they're just very sensitive and reflect back kind of how the the world around them is behaving. Um, And so each one of those types is given this strategy for how to make decisions. Like basically the idea behind it is helping us make the most of our energy in a way that is, um, sorry, my computer is now trying to do an update, which we're not going to do right now. Um, Oh, technology has been fun today. Um, So the manifestors basically, um, when they are here to have these big ideas, their strategy is informing. And so the idea behind that is if they just let people know what they're going to do, folks can kind of clear the way of obstacles for them to have the most like uh, flow forward and going toward that thing. Um, generators and manifesting generators, we're here to respond. We're here to really make sure if we're going to give our energy to something, because it's big and massive and powerful, it is something that lights us up, but it's also kind of higher self, greater good oriented. It's going to do good for others. It's going to have a benefit. Mm -hmm. Projectors, they have kind of a tricky um, type of, um, of, of strategy. They have to almost wait for recognition and then this invitation because uh, projectors don't have their sacral defined, which we'll talk about probably, I'm sure, a little later. Um, their work energy comes in short, really intense bursts. And so instead of like diving into a project where they're not sure people are going to listen to their guidance or listen to their input, we'd really want them to find people who cannot wait to hear what they have to say, cannot wait to get their guidance, their, their ideas, their support, um, their influence. And, and those are the people they want to kind of find first. And then wait till their kind of their their guidance is sought, their influence is sought. And then reflectors, because they are so open, their reflectors are such a, 
a unique human design type. They're less than 1% of the world's population. They have all of their centers open, which we'll talk about, I'm sure that in a couple of minutes, but um, they're very sensitive to other people's energy. And so their strategy ends up being waiting an entire lunar cycle to really feel into big major decisions because they're so kind of not easily influenced because that makes it sound like a vulnerability, but they're very sensitive to the way the people around them are. And they want to really get clarity and be sure that like, mm-hmm. yes, this is a house I want to buy, or yes, this is a person I want to marry. So, if so they need that only, time. If there's only 1% of the population are reflectors, mm-hmm. who are, do you know a couple of like famous reflectors that we would know? I would be so interested oh. to... I don't off the top of my head, but I should look into that. There are a few that are, yeah, there's a couple I know like in the wellness podcasting community, like Jordan Younger from um, The Balanced Blonde. She's a reflector. Okay. Um, I went ahead and searched it on Jacqueline's site, Interior Creature. Turns out Sandra Bullock is a reflector. She's in the 1%. It's so funny because a lot of people tend to pigeonhole the types into different types of jobs. And I think like reflectors... They, they have so much that is their own as well. I think one of the misunderstandings I hear out there a lot is that, um, you know, some human design purists will say that reflectors are nothing. They are just a mirror for everybody else. And that's so like disempowering. That bothers oh me. because they, <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, cause it's not true. They have gates that are activated. They have, you know, parts of themselves that are theirs. Um, the way I always explain open centers, it's, it's almost like it's like our stuff gets too commingled with somebody else's. Like for example, in your chart, um, you and I both have our solar plexus open, which is where we, um, we have, we process emotions. And so you and I both feel other people's feelings in our own body as well as feeling our own. Yeah. As well as feeling our own feelings. I always liken it to when you break up with somebody that you've been living with and like all your books are commingled. So you're trying to figure out like whose copy of To Kill a Mockingbird this is like, cause you've been there together so long. You don't know. Like that's kind of the way we experience emotions. So for a reflector, that's multiplied times nine through all of their centers. It's their stuff with other people's stuff. That's why that month becomes so important for them to kind of gain that mm. clarity. And then on top of that, we talked to authority was your other kind of question. Yes. We're all given a basically an intuitive impulse within our body that's kind of like the arbiter of what we do. It's the voice that speaks the loudest that we're supposed to listen to when we make decisions. So for example, you and I both have sacral authority and the sacral center is in charge of what we give our creative generative life force energy to. So for us, it needs to be like a hell yes. We need to feel expanded towards something. We need to feel like doing this work is going to light me up and, and recharge me as opposed to drain me. And if we feel that way about something, we can say yes to it. Um, some people have emotional authority where they have to ride an emotional wave and feel all of their feelings before they can get some sort of like emotional clarity or emotional intelligence about what the correct thing is for them to do. Um, other people have splenic authority where they have to basically listen to what feels safe and what doesn't. Like I know um, I am a spleen defined in my chart and I will get very clear like gut feelings about people, about situations to be like, this is unsafe or this person's a liar. And it's not evidence-based. It's just a body feeling. Mm. But a lot of times the evidence then comes later. So there are people who have that as their authority and that's like the arbiter of what they do or not, if they can say yes or no to something. Mm. And there's, there's a bunch of other types of authorities as well, but it basically is in your chart, the thing that tells you yes or no, mm-hmm. that what you're supposed to listen to. So we've covered type, strategy, and authority. Next, I wanted to learn from Jacqueline about our centers. When you pull your body graph chart, it will bring up an outline of a body and show you nine different energy centers. Each one will be either open, which is blank, or closed, which is colored. I asked Jacqueline to explain. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they don't change. I think one of the questions I get from people all the time is how do I open my closed throat or how do I, and I think it's, it's so different because in yoga or energy healing, we think of closed as bad. We think of it like a blockage that needs to be unblocked. And in human design, our closed centers are just the parts of ourself that speak the loudest. Whereas our open centers are places where we're sensitive to other people's energy as well. Um, and so yeah, it's not a blockage that needs to be changed or something that needs, that's a, a, it's not a deficit. It's not a problem. It's just a part of you that's going to really guide you and anchor you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about my open spleen center. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I was reading on your site the tendency for those of us with an open spleen center to take in fear energy. And that's one of those parts of human design that I just, I'm like, oh, that is me. Like, I have a lot of very irrational, unfounded fears. I have, I suffer with morbid fixation. And I've seen any number of healers, therapists, hypnotherapists to try and move past that way of thinking because, you know, my biggest fear is manifestation mm-hmm. alongside the morbid fixation, right? So I wanted to talk about that. Like, can you unpack the open spleen center a bit for me and then where that fear energy comes from? Yeah. So I think the best way to do it is to talk about it closed and then to kind of show the juxtaposition. So People that have it closed, um, the spleen is basically our fight or flight response. Think of us as like when humans were hunter gatherers, it was the part of our body that needed to kind of tell us in a big wave of adrenaline, that thing is your prey, eat it. Or, ooh, that thing, you're their prey. You need to run. Like that saber tooth tiger's coming, get out of here. Because we didn't have the cognitive function that we do now in our brains, like to have that kind of, you know, conversation like, oh, look, I see he's got sharp teeth. It might mean he's a canine or whatever it is, um, or a carnivore rather. Um, so our spleen is basically telling us very, very clearly whether someone is honest or not, whether something is safe or not. Over time, it's evolved to think about efficiency or effectiveness of a problem. So people who have it closed, they're able to use their spleen like a radar. It almost like scans their environment and is giving you very clear signals through your digestive system, through your adrenal adrenal glands and like your adrenaline, like surges of yes, this is safe or no, this isn't. Definitely that fight or flight response. People who have it open, it's almost like you guys are pulling in all the, you're so sensitive to the impulses everyone else around you is receiving, but your body can't translate those impulses fast enough. So you're, you're sensitive to other people's fear, other people's anxiety, other people's nervousness. Your body can't distinguish it from things that are actually real and grounded and true for you as well. And so a lot of times just kind of breathing through something and being like, this isn't mine. This is, I'm experiencing someone else's like, this doesn't need to live in my body. I can let this go. And I know that's easier said than done. Absolutely. But I think that's one of the things that human design has taught me that like a lot of times these impulses we're getting through our open centers, they're not ours to hold on to. That is such incredible advice. In any of these conversations, you know, I find on reflection what I'm looking for and I think what the listeners are looking for, I hope, I can speak on their behalf, is practical tools and practical advice because especially when we get deep into spirituality, it can feel like spiritual jargon. Yes. And all we ever want to do is, but how do I apply this to my unique situation? So I actually think that's just incredible advice. Thank you. So I asked myself the question, is this mine? Yeah. Mm, Deep breath. Let it go. And where did it come from? Like, is it something that, you know, was there and there's a source for it? Or is it something that just kind of popped up out of the blue? And a lot of times these things, it's all of a sudden we're anxious about X or all of a sudden this fear comes up out of nowhere it's probably coming from someone else and your body is having a hard time sourcing it, Mm -hmm. which is why the anxiety gets. Yeah. And I get that with emotions too. I, I, cause my solar plexus is open. I remember a a few months ago I was in a Starbucks and the barista was getting screamed at by her manager. And I remember sitting in my car afterwards and just feeling so anxious and so upset and so like shook. And I wasn't getting yelled at. That had nothing to do with me. But I was feeling like the overwhelm and the anger and all of those feelings that were happening between those two individuals were in my body. And I needed to kind of shake it before I could go on with the rest of my day. I had to kind of say to myself, okay, Ooh, like I don't need to get teary. This isn't mine. Like I, that had nothing to do with me. Like let's shake it off. And yeah, it, so it's easier said than done sometimes, mm. but just having that permission slip to kind of go, okay, that I, I can kind of identify and, and detach from things that, that don't belong to me. I don't need to carry that. So good. Oh God. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try and truck on here. So we've got our type, our strategy, mm-hmm. our authority. Do you love the way I'm like, I keep yeah. saying it again because I'm no, like, it's, good. it's a lot to take in. There's so many parts and pieces. Yes. Yeah. So our type, our strategy, our authority, um, and we know which energy centers are open and closed for us. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, and this is where it gets real sketchy for me in terms of like, I have very little understanding beyond this point. There's 36 channels and 40, 64 gates. 
Yes. 36 channels, 64 gates. What are they? And <laughs> what do they yeah. stand for? That's the I Ching. That's where the I Ching meets um, human design. So basically, when, when uh, Robert Allen Krakauer was channeling the system, one of the downloads he received was that um, so that each of the 64 kind of combinations that make up the I Ching, instead of using them for like divinatory purposes, which is what I believe, if I'm correct, that's how it's traditionally used, he mapped those life lessons to the centers in our body. And so the way I like to think of it is I kind of think about how in Western astrology, we've got like that, that moment that we're born, the moment we take our first independent breath, like separate from our mother, we're our own kind of being. It's almost as if like our natal charts, a snapshot of what the celestial heavenly bodies were doing at that exact moment. And so I like to imagine each little planet having a arm that reaches down. And it's almost as if each of those 64 gates in our body are like light switches that are turned off. And each one of those planets gets to turn one on. Mm. And sometimes they reach for the same one and that's okay. They each get credit for doing that, but they're little lessons or gifts or superpowers that we're being given. And they, we get, um, uh, a set of them determined by the planets the second we're born. And then the same thing happens three months before that. It's almost like the universe knew exactly when Allison was coming, exactly the time, the date. And three months before that, it's like, got to take my first snapshot, got to activate those gates to get ready for the moment when she's born. doesn't matter if you were a preemie or a plan C section. It's just like the universe knew. And so it's a combination of these gates. If they ended up being at opposite ends of a channel, like opposite ends of a hallway, that's what lit up your centers. That's what closed them off. And then any centers that have just gates hanging and it's like its, all, it's partner didn't open as well or didn't get turned on as well, like those are our open centers. And so the gates themselves, when they're alone, tend to be more lessons that we're here to learn. Okay. And then when they end up showing up in a channel where both ends, it's almost like a hallway with both doors open and energy kind of flowing through that becomes a superpower that we have as we walk through the world. And so, yeah, it just adds another layer on top of that. So that's where the Western astrology or Western astrological chart kind of meets um, the I Ching and our design. And we end up getting really good information from those. I know that the harder part to dig into, a lot of times yes. that's where the information online kind of stops. That's where I got frustrated. And it's what made me kind of push me to build interior creature because I was finding that I could find information on my type strategy authority just by Googling. But when it came to like, what does it mean that I have gate 36 on line one yes. activated by the sun? What does that mean? I could not find information about that. Mm. It was driving me crazy. So I was like, someone needs to write about this in a practical way. So once I hacked it for myself, I'm like, this is where the, the, the juice is. Like, I want to I wanna make this practical for other people. So they give you, yeah, just such powerful information about like different lessons and where they're hitting your life. Mm. Well, I'm going to be selfish for a moment and I would mm -hmm. love, because I know you've pulled my chart. Yep. I would love if you could, I mean, obviously not all of it, but if you could tell me about some of my, the lessons I'm here to learn. And mm -hmm. then could you also tell me about some of my gifts? Is that what we're calling them? So my superpowers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things I thought was so interesting as I was analyzing your chart earlier is you have gate 62 activated in your throat, and that's actually where your incarnation cross lives, which is a whole other kind of layer to this. Human design is like an onion that every time you think you've gotten to the bottom, like there's another layer you have to keep peeling. Um, our incarnation cross is kind of our karma and our dharma, like what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. And our profile is how we're here to kind of do it. And so your incarnation cross is the writing across the Maya, but it lives in your gate 62, which is all about, it's called the gate of detail. And it's all about communicating details and communicating facts. And the sun activates it. And the sun is like a big dominant part of our personality. So the fact that you run a podcast, the fact that your podcast is about, you know, communicating with people, um, bringing like, you know, the relationships that we have to like the teachers and, and students in the wellness community, like it's so, that's your pattern for that. Um, so your Mars good. also, yeah, it's so crazy. And your Mars also lives there and Mars is what we fight for. It's not where we bring conflict necessarily, but it is the things that we're fight for. So we fight for, we're willing to kind of, you know, push for. So the fact that your sun and your Mars lives there, like you fight for relationships and you also fight for clarity. You want to make sure people have the facts, the details, the information. And that's a strong gift of yours is that ability to communicate with others. So See, that's I thought that insane. That was, so good. I'm like, yeah. thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the right thing. Yay. And it's funny too, because you also have gate 63 or sorry, 23 um, activating your throat as well. It's called the gate of assimilation. And 
some of these gates naming conventions and just to kind of, if any of your, your listeners want to dig into your own chart, don't be afraid of what the gates are called. Because some of them, a lot of the naming in human design, the guy that channeled the system um, likes to use language in a way that's, that does, isn't how language works. It's funny, in my previous life, I was a literacy specialist. So I was completely like into how we learn how to read and how language works and how it works with, with children. And he uses words in a way that like he decides they mean something different than the shared understanding we all have of what that word means. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you'll see something like, oh, you're an opportunist or the gate of assimilation. So we all have a common understanding of what these words mean. And then you read his description of it and he means the opposite or he means something completely different. And you're like, that's not how language works. Like we, we it, it, <laughs> it, it thrives with the fact we have shared understanding. But the gate of assimilation is actually about not assimilating to and disappearing into the other people around you and their perspectives and their ideas and their, it's holding your own individual insight and your own individual voice. And so your other Mars, your unconscious Mars lives there. So in your relationships with people and your ability to, you know, build those, those, yeah, interesting conversations, you don't disappear into the people around you. You're not the person who kind of demurs and defers to other people's opinions. You're going to stand your ground and hold your own and share your take on things. So it's almost the opposite of assimilation. It's holding on to your individuality and your ability to communicate with others. Mm, that's so interesting. You know, what comes up for me is, um, yeah, like, yes, that is all of that is so true for me. It's been the biggest lesson um, hearing myself on my own podcast, particularly in season one, where I realized just how much I wanted to share my opinion. And I had this, I kept, you know, saying like it's conversations, it's not interviews. And for me to have a conversation, I need to be able to contribute. I need to be able to relate. Part of Mm -hmm. the reason people open up in a conversation is when you share yours and then they share theirs. But it was so fascinating because I did hear myself standing up for my opinions and, and wanting to share my point of view and then having to learn to gently you know, not um, not withdraw completely, but just know when it is my time to share instead of just like talking over people <laughs> to try and get my opinion across. Mm. Well, you also have a closed throat center, so you're probably much better at that than I am. I My throat's open. I have a hard time with social cues. <laughs> my body just wants to be contributing constantly. So it's almost like I have to bring awareness to my throat and be like, Okay, stop. It's not your turn, Jacqueline. <laughs> like, stop. Um, so other interesting things that I saw in your chart too, um, just to kind of as another kind of confirmation of that, um, in your self-center, you have the gate of the behavior of the self. Both of your Neptunes live there. And Neptune, um, Neptune governs a few things. Neptune governs our creativity. It governs our spirituality. But it also governs our ability to kind of pull back the curtain and see what's true and what's really there. And so a big part of just your core self-identity is tied to your creative, to your creativity and your spiritual practice um, and your ability to get to the truth and kind of get to the bottom of things. I always think of Neptune as like Toto in The Wizard of Oz. When they're standing in front of Oz the Great and Powerful, he like skitters over to the curtain and pulls it back. And it's just a little man. Like that's kind of what Neptune's here to do. And so, right. yeah, the fact that they're in gate 10 for you, which is all about you being able to love yourself and honor yourself and what you know to be true, but it's also sitting on a relationship line for you. So in your relationships with people as well, you're still kind of honoring that fact of like really wanting to understand them as a person and like that kind of, yeah, you're searching for truth as well as a creative connection and a spiritual connection Mm. with the people you call into your life. Well, it's interesting because as I've gone on this sort of deeper exploration of self, I have, um, you know, and as we do sort of gracefully let go of some friendships because the more I get to know myself, the more I realize I had um, not very complimentary people in my life. And as I started to expose more of what I knew to be true about myself, there was an uncomfortability in our friendships because I felt like a stranger to them. Fascinating stuff. It just, it just, the unalignment happened. And that's a big thing that your self-center does being closed. The self-center is basically like our internal GPS for what is within within our integrity and what's not. And a lot of times people who've got that self-centered defined, you guys just have a very clear sense of anything that bumps up against your sense of self or your sense of alignment. And whether you choose to act on that impulse is a whole other thing, but you know very quickly, like, this isn't in my integrity. Like, this isn't on brand for myself. 
I don't have that in my chart. So a lot of times I always joke that um, I have to trip over a pile of red flags sometimes to realize that something's a problem. Whereas you're someone who has that sensitivity to be like, yeah, that's not okay. Mm. Like this isn't my alignment anymore. And a big part of the journey that you're here to go through being a four six, which is your profile you have a, a three-part kind of life process, all sixes do. And during your birth to 30, a big hallmark for you is this thing called bonds main broken. So there's there was a shedding that tends to happen as people enter this second phase, which you're in right now, which is a letting go of relationships that are no longer serving you. Not everybody that you meet, um, especially as a six, is meant to hold your hand and walk with you through the entire your entire life. A lot of people are meant to kind of gracefully exit or, you know, not so gracefully exit. I think about that big cane on like, you know, the gong show of just people yeah. being pulled off. But yeah, like people who have a six line during your 30 to 50 and your, your Chiron return, I guess, till whenever we expire, um, that time is really meant for calling in deep soul level relationships. But you can't do that if the space is being cluttered by people who just are not meant to be there. Mm. And so that, that those bonds are broken a lot of times around the early 30s to make room for the people that are meant to kind of settle in. That's so comforting for me because I have been sort of giving myself a bit of a hard time internally about Mm -hmm. the the length of those friendships and the experiences we had together when I was, say, in my late teens or early to mid-20s. And you think, gosh, like, am I doing the wrong thing here? Or is this just exciting over here? And that's why I'm like gravitating towards these people. But when you say those soul friendships, like, that is so strong for me right now. Some of the closest people to me I've known for the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it feels like I've known them forever. And it's funny because that's that third line, like part of you that was there when you were younger. Um, that was a big permission slip thing for me when I was looking at my own chart. I'm a 1-3 profile. And one of the things with the bonds being broken is a lot of times people in their third line phase will have very intense friendships with people or very intense relationships where maybe the length of time you've known them isn't long, but that depth or that intensity of that relationship is taught you that kind of core lesson. So I know I've had exes where I'm like, we were only together for four or five months, but it felt like four or five years. So the lessons were that deep. And I kept thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, why is it that my relationships have been so short and other people don't love the way that I do? Is this wrong? And looking at my profile and unpacking it and understanding that aspect, I'm like, no, that's just the way that I'm wired. Like, I love hard. I love big. I go deep very quickly. And like, that's just the way. And it's okay. These things didn't, didn't last. I know in the tarot, when we talk about the lover's card, a lot of people look at that and they go, oh, soulmates. And I think more of the lover's card is like, it's the lessons you learn through the people that walk into your life. Like to me, that's all about, you know, the karma we're working out with people or the, you know, the lessons we're here to learn through those relationships. Like A Course in Miracles even says like, you know, relationships and other people are our greatest teachers. And so for me, like that's such a part of, yeah, the way that 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 profile line is structured. And for you being a six um, or having that six line, that that birth to 30 third line for you is so is so dominant that again, it's such a it doesn't surprise me at all that you you're, you have traces of that still, mm. you know, kind of as you're calling in those soul level people. So good. And then um, can you talk to me a little bit about the lessons? So mm-hmm. what am I here to learn? Because I feel like I'm starting to um, realize what, what it is, but I would love some sort of validation on my thinking. Yeah. So one of them is around life purpose is one of the lessons you're here to learn. So you have gate 28. And it's actually funny. I have that entire channel in my chart. You have like one half of it. Um, Gate 28, it's called the gate of the game player. I don't love the name of it um, because it's about our sense of purpose. So your spleen basically is very aware of every interview you do, every job or client you work with, every task that you take on. Is it meaningful? Is it purposeful Mm. Um, or not? And it's just hyper, hyper aware of that. And it's going to send you impulses when things are just like, don't feel meaningful or valuable or, or good for you. Like you're someone who's wired to need that sense of purpose. And so the challenge though, with this center, because the spleen's a fear gate or the spleen's a fear center. Like a lot of times the way the universe teaches us lessons is through activating fears and anxiety and nervousness for you Sometimes there's this sense of risk-taking. And the lesson here is what's an appropriate amount of risk-taking? Because sometimes people who have this gate activated think, I got to go big or go home. And they almost like take these giant, enormous, massive risks that like 
are kind of reckless that they really take a step back and, and feel into it honestly. And then there's the opposite true. A lot of times there are people who have this gate activated who play small and kind of don't step into their power or are afraid of, of taking on that risk because they're like, that's too big. What if I fail? Mm. And so for you, your Pluto lives here. And Pluto is all about transformation. It's about truth. It's about psychology and our inner landscapes. And you have a natural talent for feeling into that with other people. And so for you, like learning how to really step into your power and bring your voice and, and advocate for yourself in terms of building a life for yourself that has that purpose and has that intentionality is a lesson, one of the lessons that you're here to learn. Oh, I could cry. Like it's, <laughs> it speaks to me so like deeply because I, I minimized myself in this podcast for so long and this work that I'm doing and frankly the work I have done in sort of at leadership level over the past nearly decade it's always about just playing small and it's not just me, it's a whole team and, you know, all of that mm -hmm. stuff. And then I was like, I'm just going to do this little podcast in between jobs and oh, I'll, I'll just the do word little. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And then the last, you know, I'm into season three now and I am allowing myself to believe that what I'm doing is important and it's meaningful and it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm really starting to get that energy and that courage now to step into it. But even if you had asked me two months ago, I was still like, oh, we'll see. And I don't know. But now I'm I'm really arriving there. So that is extremely validating for me because that's exactly the phase I'm in at the moment is kind of stepping into it. Talk about feeling seen. It's this deeper layer of validation for the way I've been feeling and the experiences I've been having that's made me fall so hard for human design. One of the other, um, one of the other gates that you have activated in your spleen, and this is something I wish more American politicians had activated, um, is your, your gate of values. It's this gate of understanding your responsibility in each situation yes. and your, Pluto, oh. your other Pluto lives there. Like you have such a profound sense of your own kind of either complicity or responsibility or just your own part in, in something success or failure. And you take that very seriously. I wish they could see us right now because I'm like, literally, <laughs> my hand is in the air. <laughs> yeah. She's been like shaking it going like, yes, like I feel like I'm at church. Like, yes. Um, it, it, but it, it's so funny because with this gate being activated there, again, there's this fear of like, am I going to undercorrect and like not step into my power and, and not take on the responsibility that I could probably crush it and really do well? Or almost like this micromanaging of like, if I don't do it, everyone else is going to screw it up. So it has to be me. Yes. And this, you know, but you just, you understand the gravity of your decisions. And again, totally. I really wish we had more people mm. in the States in power mm. who had this gate activated. Um, but your Pluto is there right now too. And Pluto is sitting on your sixth line, which is all about the leaders that we grow into be. And so for you, just the leadership, your voice, this community that you're building, you see how you take that responsibility very seriously. So and it's seriously. just something you're here to learn how to kind of feel into like the correct amount of stepping into it and the correct amount of like, you know, stepping back from that. Mm. So what's your advice to me there? Just kind of go as I am because I've had the acknowledgement and the realization. And so now it's just about, yeah, just feeling it out versus, Yeah. And not letting fear take the wheel. Because when, when again, anytime where there's the spleen there or anything with the spleen, it's, it's just when fear is trying to take over, like to take that step back and reflect and be like, okay, what is this fear impulse trying to tell me or does it belong to somebody else? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times with um, the gates that we have activated in open centers, they get kind of, it's almost like they're, they're sensitive spots that like when we're around someone who has that center closed, all of a sudden it's like that the light gets shown on them. And it's like, so it could be that you're, it's getting activated because someone around, around you is very stressed. So almost getting time to yourself, getting back to zero, being like, okay, how do I really feel about this responsibility and taking it on? Because mm. um, you don't want other people's stuff influencing how you feel about something. Oh, this so is so good. I've now. been literally a recluse in Bondi where I live. So I don't see anyone. I barely talk to anyone besides my husband. I'm alone and I'm so in my work right now and I could not be happier, but I just have, yeah, no desire to have anyone around me. I don't ask for feedback. I don't ask for opinions. Advice, sure, from my people I respect and admire and my mentors. Well, yeah. But beyond that, I feel that right now where I'm just like, let me do this work. Let me be impeccable. Mm 
you know, let me be thorough. Um, and yeah, cause I, I, I want to be right. It's in your chart because your self center is directly connected to your sacral, which means that if it's not in your integrity, you can't get up the energy to do it. Like your body is just not going to allow you. The sacral is all about like, you know, I don't know if we can curse on your podcast, but like, I have to give a fuck to be able to like, you know, put my energy to that thing. And I don't give a fuck about things that aren't within my alignment and aren't within my integrity. So for you sitting and reading a, you know, an ad about watches or sunglasses or whatever is just not going to feel correct for you. So it's going to, the words are going to feel terrible in your mouth as you're trying to get it out. It just, it's going to feel off. Mm. And like, that's just not how you're wired to be. And so like, yeah, I always laugh too, because even in your relationships, like you would have a hard time dating or being married to somebody who did not fundamentally hold the same values and ethics and beliefs that you did Yes, as well. Like even friendship wise, like it just for you, like because that sacral, which is, it's also our sexual energy is so connected to your sense of identity. Like it just, it does, it wouldn't work for you. Mm -hmm. Like I know in the States, there's this political pundit. um, He's a Democrat. He's married to a Republican and she's, you know, they're both political pundits. And I'm like, I laugh when I see people have this connection. I'm like, yeah, they couldn't do that. Like that can't be the way their charts are wired because they wouldn't be able to, you know, have that same sense of identity and then have that connection. Like it wouldn't work. So their charts must be wired very differently. Mm. Oh, it's so fascinating. Um, I'm conscious of our time. You, mm-hmm. You've mentioned um, profile and our incarnation cross. Mm-hmm. Could you give us a quick summary of what those are? There's How many profiles is there? Oh, God. There are um, – oh, I don't even know off the top of my head. There's probably like a 100 or oh, so. Okay. There's a lot. Yeah. And it basically – it depends on what your conscious sun is touching, which gate it activates. And then even then, it could be a, several different ones within that whole kind of family of incarnation crosses. So they're basically our right angle, left angle, and fixed destiny crosses. And – Um, each one kind of operates a little bit differently, but that's one of the biggest, I think, things so many women these days, especially in communities I'm in on Facebook and and what I've heard from my clients is it's so strange. I remember I listened to your episode with Nadine Jane and, um, what she said, the number one thing people come to her and ask about are relationships. Well, the number one thing my clients come to me and ask me about is career. They want to know their sense of purpose, what they're here to do, how they're here to do it. And that's where that information lives in your chart. It definitely lives in your incarnation cross. And sometimes it's really, it's like very clear. It's almost like you're here to be a journalist or you're here to be, and just not necessarily, it doesn't say you're here to be a journalist, but it'll say like you're here to communicate with others and, and speak truth to power or advocate on behalf of people who are voiceless. Like it's clear sometimes what they're pushing you toward career wise, but sometimes it's more, you know, ambiguous. Like my incarnation cross is all about understanding what love is supposed to look like on this planet and, and holding kind of the, the, the two things in my hand of one, this utopic ideal of like what love should feel like and look like, but then this cruel understanding of what it actually looks like on the physical plane and trying to kind of marry those two together and start pushing, you know, worldly relationships to look more like that, you know, generosity and compassion and, and, you know, and I'm supposed to learn how to do that through my own relationship with myself. So, you know, small order, totally easy. I've got it mastered, <laughs> not at all. Um, and yours is all about, um, let me pull it up. Actually, you you have the right angle cross in the Maya in your chart. Um, and so that's all about basically describing everything that is happening around you and, and helping people understand and navigate change. Mm. And so you're someone who's very in a tune with how things are evolving and changing and moving. And you're kind of serving as the conduit between the people and the change. And you're explaining it. You're, you're kind of articulating it in a way and making it more practical for people who are overwhelmed by it. And so it's all about this quest for truth and this like, this vigilance around like how things are moving and shifting and changing. And and you want to kind of like the things that turn you on are religion and science and, and all these big topics that you understand, like, you know, the evolution of things as we walk Mm. through the world and you're supposed to kind of be the person who, who shares that with other people, which again, like I've had a few podcasters (laughs) who, who are right up across with the Maya. Um, Yeah. So basically that's the place like, you know, and there's, there's, it's again, it's also one of the harder things to Google information on, but it does give you such a clear idea of like the bigger overarching kind of karmic dharmic lesson you're working out while you're here. And then your profile is basically how you're here to walk through the world in the way that's best going to help you get to that karmic dharmic lesson. And so it's a combination of 
the line that your conscious son is sitting on over the line. It's like a fraction over the line that your unconscious son is sitting on. So um, in your chart, your gate 62, which is your conscious son's on line four, and your uh, unconscious son's on gate is in gate 42, which is on line six, which makes your profile a four, six. Mm-hmm. I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Um, when someone is living, do we, would we say they're living by their unique design? Would that be the right way to talk about that? So if I'm like on point with my human design. Yeah, you're kind of living in, you're kind of trying to be in alignment with your design. Yeah. Like you're not pushing against it. You're trying to embrace it. Yes. Well, I wondered if you can describe to us, I mean, perhaps for yourself because you're so deep in your own and, you know, for clients that you've coached through theirs, what does someone who's living by their design look and sound like? Like what could we expect to see from someone and maybe what does it feel like? So for myself, like understanding and unpacking my sacral center was like the biggest aha moment I had. The career that I was in prior to, you know, building my, my blog and, and taking on clients um, was draining me physically. Um, not just because it was 80 or 90 hours a week that I was giving to work, but just the fact that it had no longer given me joy to do. I used to love teaching. I used to even love the product that I was selling. And after a while, I kind of it just the joy that used to be there wasn't there anymore. And I started having a lot of health problems. I started having adrenal fatigue, really big issues with sleeping, a lot of weight gain, just my skin was a mess. And it was just like, my body was basically trying to tell me with like every fiber of its being stop, like this isn't healthy. This doesn't feel good. Stop doing it. And so every day toward the end, I felt like every time my alarm went off, I wanted to cry. And it was just like my body kind of contracting even in the fetal position, being like, don't get out of bed, don't go and do it. And even decisions I was trying to make were just nothing was in the flow. I just felt like I was constantly running into these obstacles. And it got to the point where it was almost like the universe had to speak that loudly for me to say, okay, so everything needs to stop. And I need to hit the pause button for a while and figure out exactly what is going to feel like I'm in my alignment. And now my work schedule is completely different. I only say yes to things that Um, well, not only I still have to pay taxes and, you know, (laughs) clean my apartment and things like that, which, but, um, but I try to, in terms of career and clients I take on or podcasts, I, 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 you know, collaborate with or whatever it is, or even within the part-time job that I have, I only say yes to things that give me that joy that feel like a sacral. Yes. And that has kind of, now I feel like when you go to work, it recharges me as opposed Mm -hmm. to drains me. And when I get on with a client, I'm happy and buzzy and excited afterwards as opposed to being like, I need to take a nap. I can't see anybody. I have to like pull away from everyone else. And so, yeah, so living in your design, especially if you're a generator or a manifesting generator, you should feel like you're re-energized by the things that you do. Mm. And in human design, we're given something called a not self theme. And that's basically your red flag for you're out of alignment. Things are not okay. For projectors, it's bitterness because they're here to be guides. And if they feel like they're screaming into the wind and trying to guide people who are like, I'm not here to hear that. I'm not here to listen to your opinion. They're going to feel bitter. They're going to feel very unseen and unheard. And that kind of cues them into, "Mm, they don't have that recognition. It's not the right audience. They need to find their people. Mm. Um, And, you know, manifestors, again, if they start feeling angry, it's probably because they didn't inform the right people they needed to about the idea they wanted to manifest. And now the roadblocks have been thrown up in front of them. So that not self theme again, Mm. and it's listed, um, when you run your body graph, there's a little panel that pops out on the right side of the screen that lists all the different properties. Your not self theme will be listed in there. And that's your big, like, that's your red flag that like something is out of alignment. Because isn't mine also to do with time? Like I need, the timing needs to be correct for me to land my ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. We are not self theme is frustration. When we don't feel like we've been productive, when we feel like we've been giving energy to something that just isn't moving forward, mm. when we start feeling like Sisyphus, like pushing the boulder up the hill, like for all eternity, and we're just not getting to the top, like that ends up that for us, like we can't deal with that. Like that feels awful. And we're meant to fall asleep every night exhausted and feeling satisfied though. Like, oh, that was great. It was such a productive day. I am bone tired, but oh my gosh, did I get a lot of stuff done. And when we start feeling exhausted and just like frustrated and, and just like, like that's, that's our body telling us something is not in in alignment and trusting that sense of timing. Also, you're going to feel a pull when it's the right time. You're going to feel that sacral. Yes. And I think one of the biggest lessons for everybody, at least that human designs taught me is that not everything is for us. 
and really paying attention to when we were feeling that block or feeling that like obstacle being thrown up and trying to figure out, well, is it my body or is it my, am I truly listening to the messages that my body's trying to send me? Um, it can be, that can also be really freeing. Mm. Yeah. Well, I could talk to you four hours. What time, huh. what time is it there? Oh, it's, it's 12.45 in the morning. I'm so sorry. <laughs> totally fine. This is, this is what happens when you have, a, you know, a friendships across time zones That's and right. connections across time zones. And 45 minutes of technical difficulties. Um, oh, we're fine. There is a question I ask each of my guests at the end of each episode. So offline exists as an exploration of self. And really what it started as was trying to answer this question, who are we without the labels we put on ourselves or society puts on us? So for you, that might sound like human design analyst or expert, blogger, whatever other label you give yourself. When you're sitting in true self and, you know, as I speak to different healers and teachers, I keep saying like, surely you know what true self is because you are doing the work actively every day. What comes up for you and who are you and how would you describe yourself when you're sitting in your true self? Ah, uh, I get, oh, I'm a seeker. Like I, I I'm such a, a person who's constantly looking for like, just, I'm very curious. I, I constantly go on mental tangents. I'm always like devouring a book or watching a documentary or digging into something. So very much a seeker um, and an empath. I'm a feeler. I think that that's, Another thing, like I know right now, um, our political situation in the United States, and we've had two mass shootings in -hmm. the past week. We um, had 680 um, undocumented immigrants rounded up today on the first day of their children's first day of school in Mississippi. And just, I I was crying actually earlier today before I, I got on the call with you because there was a video of a little girl just pleading for authorities to give her parents back because they're not criminals. They were just going to work. And so yeah, I think when I'm sitting in true self, it's just, I'm kind of a big wide open nerve of emotion. And I think I used to think of that as a bad thing. And again, not to bring it back to human design, but it is one of those, human design gave me the permission slip to say like, no, that's how my body is learning. My body learns through like being that raw nerve that feels other people's pain. And obviously I can't say that I would feel as the depth of that child did, but um, yeah, it's just, I think there are those of us who are tapped to hold that emotional space for the the things that are going on in the world. And, and, you know, that's a, that's a part of just, you know, I guess how I kind of walk through the world as well. So mm. yeah, a feeler and a seeker, I guess, if that would, that's the, mm. I guess I don't really know. How to, such a, that's such a big question. I feel like we could talk about that for hours. I know. And I continue to become entirely fascinated with people's answers. And I like that it's one of those questions. And, and you know, it's one of these weird things where I don't even know where the question came from. And like, Darren, my mm-hmm. producer's here with me. Like, I don't even know if we just decided after episode one where I was like, I'm just going to ask that every time. <laughs> so it wasn't even like, yeah, planned. But now it's become such a sort of key um, theme in every episode. And, it. and it's certainly something that I know a lot of listeners look forward to hearing what your answer is. And your answer was exquisite and beautiful. So thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> mm. um, thank you for being on my podcast. I've wanted to talk to you and to talk about human design for about seven months. And so oh, that's awesome. now feeling like I was ready to do that and having this chat was just as interesting as I thought it would be. So I appreciate your time and that it's nearly 1am. <laughs> we're totally good. I'm a night owl, so we're totally good. Well, thank um, but yeah, you. no, it's been a pleasure. It's been, it's been wonderful. And again, I've been, I've been so excited to come on since I've you know, heard several of your episodes. I'm like, yes, that is the vibe I can get down with. I love that. Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, have a beautiful sleep. Thank you. Yeah. And you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.